Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. This week's episode of This Week's Episode. This is episode 112 for the week of January 26th, 2018. Filling in for Evan Goldstein, I am Chris Randazzo, and tonight I am joined by fragmented monolith Karen Randazzo. It makes it easier to chop heads off. Our previously announced guest was called away at the last minute to help Evan fight off a particularly feisty dragon. So it's just the two of us again this week, and we're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because we want to, gosh dang it. But before we get to that, I'd like to take this chance to remind everyone that you can get in touch with us at mail.geekade.com. Just include this week's episode in the subject line and let us know what's on your mind, what shows you'd like us to discuss in the future, or just how you're feeling about life, because we always want to hear from you, the listener. So... Here we are at the threshold of talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. It's been a while since we've discussed this show properly, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, it came back relatively recently. We are we are current on it. Uh, we're going to be talking about this season in general thus far. And I already pretty much know the answer. But Karen, how do you feel about this show? Pretty gosh dang good. I mean, when, uh, when unfortunately our guest was called away and we thought, well, what should we talk about? Well, at, at, our, at its heart, this show is a show about what we're watching on TV and what we've been watching lately is a hell of a lot of this. And every yeah. time we sit down, we're like, okay, we have our choice of whatever we want to watch. What do we want to choose? It's always this show. Yeah, just about. Uh, Though I will say, uh, not, not, to, not to crap on the, the opportunity to, to futurely talk about it, I did enjoy the first episode of uh, Downton Abbey. I thought it was very good, very interesting. I wish I had time in my life to watch more of it. But alas, I don't. I do have time for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in space. So, let's see. (laughs) If you're not watching this show, number one, you should be. And you know what's so interesting about this show is that uh, I've talked to a handful of people online that have said, uh, uh, have asked, you know, I've said something nice about S.H.I.E.L.D., and they're like, I, I, sh- should I watch this show? Like, how, how should I get into it? And, you know, where do I get season one and that kind of stuff? And it's like, I, I don't know if I should... Do I recommend going all the way back to season one? Because it was... You know, this show didn't start off great, but it's one of those, like, great turns in TV history because, like, I feel like it didn't start off great for a reason because in, in no time... It did this 90-degree turn and changed the dynamic of all the characters, and then it's been consistently getting better ever since, uh, which is not something that you can necessarily say about uh, all of the CW shows. Like, yeah, Arrow has got a lot better, and then it got a lot worse, and you know, Flash has kind of been up and down, and uh, Supergirl's been pretty solid. It's been been staying consistently good for the most part. I just don't care about James Olsen. And Legends of Tomorrow is a TV show that exists but uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has just been really one interesting turn after another. And, the, you know, the last season with the whole LMDs and them being sucked into the, the Matrix, that was, was really cool and really smart, really well done. And uh, this season, throwing them into space, like, 
that could have that could have gone poorly. And it's so weird watching this show. And there's like a bunch of blue people wandering around and the ABC logos in the bottom corner. And I'm thinking like, man, what is the average American flipping through channels looking at this being like, what the heck is this? Right. But uh, I mean, it, it's it, it's all it, it fits so well. I mean, they mentioned the Cree in like season two, you know, when they mm-hmm. were trying to figure out how Coulson was resurrected. I mean, the, all this business has been part of this uh, show's mythos for a long time. And they're they're really you know, linking it back and call, uh, calling, uh, do, you know, doing lots of call outs to older characters that used to be on the show. And we just got Hunter back a, a few episodes ago. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. It uh, was a really fun way to include him without, I mean, I guess they, they weren't able to get him like full time this season, or maybe we'll see more of him later this season. But the, the way they, uh, if we don't, that was a pretty good way to use him to, to best effect without him having to be around all the time. Yeah, at the very least, it was a great way to guest him. I'm sad that uh, um, Mockingbird wasn't back, but... Me also, especially because it means the Orville is still on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would watch the Hunter and um, Fitz show, like, all day. <laughs> yeah, those two made a great pair. So I guess just to kind of catch everybody up, what happened was uh, at the end of the last season, they all went to go, like... They were. They knew that they were going to be arrested any minute because uh, the whole life model decoy. Somebody died. Like it was. It was a bad. It was a bad situation all around. So they all went to a diner and basically waiting to get arrested. And then, like the next scene, they woke up in space. Like some dude froze time, and then Coulson's in space. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's let's see how this went. So this season, they were all in space. What happened was they were taken by uh, some dude who uh, basically froze time and then launch them through a time portal using this uh, monolith thing and uh, now they're on a space station that's like, the earth has been blown up presumably by Daisy uh, and um, basically the Kree more or less rule over what's left of humanity in this floating spaceship thing. Also it's 70 years in the future. Yeah 70 years in the future. And so they've been having to deal with time travel in this season too and I feel like they've been doing a great job with that like they have their every time you bring time travel into a sci-fi show, you've got to establish what your rules are, and they feel like they've they've established their rules and stuck to them. What was really interesting about that was the time travel that they basically did in this this in the most recent episode, which was nuts because we got to see them basically living their future when they where they didn't get sucked into the future was what it looked like. It was kind of hard to... I, I had a hard time piecing that together. Like, you know, how did they get there from the diner where they got picked up? Because by all accounts, it seemed like, you know, May and Fitz, they never got picked up. And um, so they're all, like, on, you know, on basically on this spaceship, and you, you're kind of seeing the beginnings of the Kree offering to take over things. Um, Mac is apparently dead. It's... It was a really interesting episode because it's it seems to be, I guess it seems to be kind of sort of working on multiverse theory, because uh, that means that they that these versions of there's a version there are versions of these characters that lived their lives the way that they did, and that had this one outcome, but the time travel interruption that happened is now creating a different reality because 
those characters never lived that life to create this future in the first place. So it's yeah, like... Yeah, it's like the, the, one, the characters that we're following, the versions of them that we're following are working to correct, cre- correct a mistake from a different timeline that we haven't seen yet, but we're starting to like flash back to a different timeline. Yeah. It's really cool and interesting, and I feel like um, it's kind of following the laws of science, which is, is, you know, sometimes when on a sci-fi show, when you do time travel, people are just like, we're just going to make it up because it's not possible anyway, so no one can say that's not how it works. But this is like, no, this is, if this was real, this is how it would be, and I think that's due partially the fact they have two scientist characters in the cast. Yeah, that's true. It reminds uh, the whole thing reminds me slightly. Just even having this conversation reminds me of a, a funny bit in uh, Dragon Ball Bridge. But that's a <laughs> story Wait. for another time. One little slip up, and I suddenly may not exist. Wait, but if you don't exist, then you don't come back in time. But then you could never tell me, which means I'd never know. You'd still be born. And why does everything smell like copper? <laughs> anyway, yeah, so- this isn't the super sixty second summary. <laughs> no, it is not. So, so this has been really, really fun. Um, uh, one of the things that I've, I've, I enjoy so much about this show is that it, you know, obviously it takes itself seriously to an extent, but it's it's also super fun, and it's not as melodramatic as the CW stuff. Like it's reading, uh, watching this show is has a lot in common with reading a comic book. Uh, you know, there's just the right amount of humor in it. It's it actually it, it has a lot of the same sensibilities as the MCU, which I think is fantastic. You know, it knows when to be funny and it knows when to be serious, and it it handles you know the the moments of of levity. It balances the levity against the seriousness very very well. And uh, yeah, if you're not watching this show, you really should be. It, it is an absolute hoot, and it's it's weird. It's it's offbeat. Uh, and it, it owns its weirdness. It's not Agent Carter. <laughs> no, which is sad. nothing is, and nothing will be. It's so ridiculous. My that heart. show does not have have a life right now. Um, I think part one of the thing about them doing the storyline at this point in this in the show's run, this is season five, is that they are all so the the cast is also comfortable with each other, but also the characters are also comfortable with this you know being a normal kind you know for them it's kind of a normal thing to be flung 70 years into the future in space they're all just rolling with it like you said there's not not really a lot of melodrama and i think that's down to the fact that like they're like okay yeah well let's do this this is what's going on let's figure it out there's no time wasted on like oh my god what are we gonna do how are we gonna get out of this it's there's it's no all real just... love triangle or love story. This show does not have an Iris West, and no. I'm very, very thankful for that. Well, there is a bit of a love story going on between Fitz and Simmons, and just like, uh, you know, this is maybe my favorite season for Fitzsimmons. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm so happy <laughs> with That's the, the two thing. of them. There, there is a love story, but it's not this. It's not There's this... actually two love, more sort of love stories going on. Because the show, even last season, started to kind of hint at a possible pushing uh, Coulson and May together. But and there... there's Mac and Yo-Yo. That's true. And there's Mac and Yo-Yo. That's the thing. I don't even think about it because it's also natural. Yeah, it's, it's not at the forefront. It's not like a big, huge part of the thing. It's just, okay, this is, you know. These characters, they're this is how they feel about each other, and you know it affects the story, but it isn't 
it isn't the story in and of itself. Yeah, it's done a much better job of telling a love story than I think any other uh, superhero TV has done, at least or is doing currently. Like, I can't... I can't think of the last time that I, you know, obviously I'm I'm happy that Felicity and Ollie finally got together and it's just done now. Like I'm happy that that's just done. Like it's no more. It's done. <laughs> They're together. The end. Let's not focus on that anymore. But geez, Iris and Barry, like oh, okay. And then what? Uh, James and what's her Lena face? Lena Luther. Uh, Lena Luther. Oh God. Yeah. And that's just been brutal. That's just been so brutal to watch. Really, really. Talk about a useless character. Uh, <laughs> this show well, just... a waste of a character, really. I mean, poor James Olsen. Like, that's it... a classic character from a classic uh, superhero story. And it's just, he's just doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think it, and I think it's because they reinvented him. Like, they didn't make him the aspiring young journalist. Like, he's now this, like, he's this big badass super successful guy who left metropolis to strike out on his own and that doesn't fit like there's no room for that character on the show yeah there's just no room for him and it's 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 a shame but you know because i I got no problem with the actor he's 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 good but there's 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 a lot of dead weight on the cw shows but the only reason i bring that up is because there doesn't seem to be any dead weight on this show on on shield there just there, there hasn't been They've also been really effective at establishing stakes this season. Like, there have been a lot of character deaths. Not, nobody like in the main cast, but the show has not been shy about killing people we just met. That's true. It's like, here's a person. Here's why you should care about them. Oh, they're dead now. Yeah. And so that's, like, really um, placed some importance on this, you know, in this story of, like, why they have to stick to the rules of this society that they've been thrust in, for example, because if, if they don't, somebody's going to die. And, and they usually do. And it's, yeah, it's already happened a bunch of times this season. It has. So, well, pretty cool. Yeah. Anything else to, to add before we take a break? Um, No, I think I said uh, pretty much everything I had to say. Just, man, this show. I did not expect at this point in, like, I don't know, our watching schedule for this to be this high on the list but i think it's it's done a really good job of keeping itself alive i could not agree more um this show's taken a lot of crazy turns and has gone through a lot of different iterations and i can't wait to see where they go next because i mean like we mentioned in the on one of our news stories recently it seems like it's in good shape like so it's probably going to get renewed Uh, i'm curious to see where it goes from here it's uh it's really interesting stuff. And I mean, they, they, they pulled the ghost rider last season, like, and a really cool job with it too. I thought that was great. So I, I really want to see them pull in more comic book stories and obviously I'd love to see it tie in with the movies a little bit more, but I don't think, I think that ship has sailed, but it's a, uh, the show is as good. As, I really think it's as good as the, the Netflix shows. It's a very different flavor, but it is as entertaining as, you know, I mean, it's better than Iron Fist. But <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's not really high praise. Yeah, it's not really high praise. Uh, all right. Well, then we're going to take ourselves a quick break and come back. We'll talk about all the uh, the business that's been going on in the news. You're listening to this week's episode from Geekade.com. Please stick around. There have been a lot of Mega Man games over the years and consequently a lot of Mega Man weapons. 
In anticipation of the release of Mega Man 11 coming later this year, Chris and Jonathan decided to rank their favorite of those weapons in a head-to-head -head battle. And just because there are so many, as a special bonus for you, they expanded each of their lists to include the top 11 weapons in Mega Man's history. For Mega Man 11. Get it? You see what they did there? Because 11? Don't miss Geekade Top 10 Mega Man Weapons. This one goes to 11. This month on Vest and Friends, Dean and Glenn are joined by the most exalted Vest Knight, Matt Much. Cue the live tweet mentioned from Matt about being named on this show. Listen in as they discuss the Hyperkin Game Boy, the rose-colored gaming on the, of the SNES era, and the recent charity fundraising record that was broken by Awesome Games Done Quick. Catch all this and more in Vest and Friends, episode 22, Adjusting the White Balance. In an all-new Before Their Time, Trish introduces us all to the musical answer to Small Town Ennui. For a short time, Jesus H. Christ and the Four Hornsmen of the Apocalypse was everything you never knew you needed to hear to express all your dissatisfaction with the trappings of suburban life, packed into one excellent eight-piece band. Alas, they have all but disappeared, leaving their outstanding 2008 album as their legacy. Check out what makes this the band we all need today and why we should all be sad they're no longer around in Before Their Time, Jesus H. Christ and the Four Hornsmen of the Apocalypse. You can catch all this great stuff plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more right now at geekade.com. All right, everybody. It is time for the Dragon Ball Super 60-second summary. Previously on Dragon Ball Super, there was about 500 episodes of a tournament and there's been about 30 minutes of that tournament told over the course of these 500 episodes. Now, we're coming close to the end, and it is time for Goku and Vegeta to face off against Jiren and other characters to do other cool things. So without further ado, here is the Dragon Ball Super 60 Second Summary. Okay, so this episode started off a little bit more Vegeta and Goku on Jiren action, which was pretty awesome. Uh, they kept powering up and throwing them basically everything they had at the guy, and he was shrugging it off fairly well, and then he started getting really cheesed off and, uh, and went on the, on, on the offense. But uh, Goku and Vegeta were holding their own as well, so uh, we'll see what's going to happen with that. But the bulk of this episode actually took place between Frieza and Dispo. Dispo is the super fast cat-looking guy who looks a lot like... Uh, uh, Beerus, God of Destruction. Well, um, the Dispo kept getting faster and faster, and then Frieza powered up. Golden Frieza, and then, you know, he, he kind of caught up with him, and then, then Dispo wound up getting even faster, and it looked like he was about to knock Frieza off, and then Gohan came out of nowhere and saved the day, saved Frieza. The two of them worked together, and they came up with this awesome plan where Frieza used his laser beams to make this big old prison thing to, to limit Dispo's movement, and, uh, unfortunately it ran out in just the nick of time, and Gohan sacrificed himself to uh, save the to save the team and take out Dispo. Nailed it. Yeah, that's it for the Dragon Ball Super sixty second summary. Thank you all for listening. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, and we're back uh, here. Let's go. Let's let's talk about the news because we've got a lot of it. First up, this puts a big old stinking smile on my face, especially since I finished watching uh, what there is of it recently. Amazon's The Tick renewed for the second season, reports The Hollywood Reporter. Good job, guys. Uh, the new season of 10 more episodes of the half-hour superhero series will premiere in 2019. And we still have more episodes 
of the first season chilling around. Uh, like the, there's the second half of season one should be coming any time now, I think. Um, I really like this show. I'm really excited to, to, that this is coming back. Uh, I hope I hope you're not offended. I finished watching it without you. No, no. I mean, I did enjoy it. Um, just, you know, we, we have different viewing availabilities for ourselves, but I, I was interested in this show. I would like to see more, and I'm happy to hear that uh, so would the rest of the world. Yeah, after the last live-action Ticks series didn't take off, like, this is such an interesting character, and this is such a good take on it. And even though there was a lot of good about the uh, old Fox live-action Tick show, this show, I, I think, is just more... It's just more well put together. It's it's crazy how good the... How smart it is, and how ridiculous it is, and how violent it is. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. I'm really happy that it's, uh, that it's around. Next up, today, executive producer... Again, from the Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter. Today, executive producer Don Nash stepping down. Wow, uh, Don Nash, that is an awesome name. That is like a, that, that's like a, your own action series TV show, like. Like from the 70s, though. Like, I don't know, man, there's some weird stuff happening now, like it, on CBS, not on NBC. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I would I definitely see, see like, Don Nash is Don Nash in Don Nash Punches Nazis, the movie. <laughs> Wig nights on CBS. Anyway, this story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, this guy's a longtime producer for the Today Show, and he's stepping down to spend more time with his family, and he's being replaced by a woman um, named Libby Leist, and this show, Today Show, is being taken over by women, and I'm fine with it. I'm here for it. I was really hoping you were going to say a robot or a washing machine, but <laughs> just because that would have been hilarious. <laughs> Can you imagine Al Roker in a washing machine just like spitting dialogue back and forth? <laughs> Do love me some Al Roker. <coughs> that would be awesome. Um, it is nice to hear about somebody voluntarily leaving uh, leaving their position for, you know, not heinous reasons. Yeah, this was just a nice little breath of fresh air. Like, hey, guys. I got to go spend more time with my family. Peace out. You know, everyone leaves on good terms. Smiles and hugs all around. Hooray. Uh, the Today Show has really been kicking butt lately, especially since getting rid of Matt Lauer and replacing him with Oda Copy. So, good for she them. She was a better choice than a washing machine. Definitely. I'll give Definitely. you that <laughs> Washing machines rule. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Uh, did you pull this and replace it with something else? No, I did no? not. You didn't? Okay, it's cool. It's okay. Then CBR reports, Supernatural unveils extended Wayward Sisters trailer. Uh, this is all you, Karen. Yes, it is. Um, okay, <laughs> so by the time you hear this, not only will the this backdoor pilot have aired, but I think there will have been a new episode. I don't know. I don't know what time or day things air anymore. But uh, Wayward Sisters, the uh, backdoor pilot for the Supernatural spinoff, Aired last week. I made sure to make time to watch it this weekend, which is, you know, saying something because it takes quite an effort for me to get an hour to myself <laughs> these days. Um, it was badass. I loved it. Uh, they did a great job paying tribute to the source material. They did a great job introducing the characters to new viewers. They didn't spend too much time like dumbing it down for new viewers um the spirit of the original show was there but it definitely had its own flavor its own story to tell i particularly love 
um, what do you call it? Uh, Claire, the character of Claire. She uh, reminds me a lot of Dean, um, but like you don't get to see too many female characters that are like that, so that was really fun. Um, there wasn't a lot of like um, modeling, melodrama. There's a lot of like serious shit happened, but there wasn't a lot of chicks crying about it. It was just like handling shit. Um, you know, people had open, honest conversations about their feelings, but it wasn't like, um, you know, anything like insulting. Um, there was no Iris West on this. There was no Iris West. Um, it was really great. They ended up killing off one of the people, which I didn't see coming and I won't spoil that, who that was for if you haven't seen it yet. But, uh, um, I assumed that what they were doing was like setting up the show and if, if it gets picked up that all of these people who are in the pilot are going to be characters in the show. And then one of them died. I'm like, holy shit. So a little, uh, teaser there for you. If you haven't seen it yet, now you'll, now you'll want to know who, who died. You'll be extra incentivized to uh, catch this. And I encourage you to watch it and to tweet about it or Facebook it or whatever social media you do about it. Because uh, to one of the one of the supernatural regular castmates, I think it was um, Misha Collins, said that the ratings and social media trending are key to getting the show picked up, and it's good, and I think it should be picked up. So watch it and tweet about it. And CW, if you're listening, please make this show. It's awesome. I'm so in the tank for it. And as for the dead character. Maybe they'll replace them with a washing machine. It'd be awesome. Do you need to be left alone with a washing machine, dear? Maybe. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Hollywood Reporter reports yet again, uh, Kristen Wiig to star an Apple comedy series from Reese Witherspoon. So, as somebody, uh, okay, never mind. I'm reading this uh, the 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 tagline here, which makes a lot more sense. I thought it was a comedy about Apple, not at Apple was producing a comedy. Yeah, I mean, didn't we talk about last week Apple acquiring maybe Netflix? Something like that, so yeah. So I think that they're getting into the producing game as a part of that, you know. Every big med tech media company now has to produce its own original content apparently. I guess so. So this is uh this is Apple's idea of a good time. Um I I don't think we know enough about this to know whether it's going to be any good or not. Um, but it's, it's, I don't dislike either of these people, right. but really it's not like, not like, oh my God, Kristen Wiig's going to be in a TV show. I got to watch it. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. We shall. But, uh, Apple throwing yeah. its hat in the content ring. Well, I, I, hope I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. The way of Yahoo screen. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, Apple does technology well, except when it, you know, gets rid of headphone jacks. But, um, but, uh, this could be a case of, uh, you know, not knowing what they're doing. Hopefully they get the right people on board. I mean, I think Reese Witherspoon and Kristen Wiig are good to start with, but I think they need some, like, you know, executive type people to know what they're doing to program their programming. <laughs> Words are hard. Um, yeah, so. Well, I guess, I, yeah. All I can say is, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see on this one. I'm, I guess, uh, it's not surprising that Apple wants to make 
TV shows, they have iTunes and their own platforms and everything, so why the fuck not? Anywho, uh, let's see. Let's move on. TV line. This one makes me very happy. Ratings. Black Lightning starts strong. Best CW premiere in two years. That's fantastic. Um, I did see uh, another headline similar to this one that, uh, you know, the show's doing really well despite everyone hating the costume. Apparently there's a, a large contingent of folks on the internet that really hate this guy's costume. But uh, we haven't watched the show yet. No, we have not. I'm curious about this claim of, like, the best premiere in two years. What else has premiered in the last two years? Like, I guess the last the last premiere to do this well, they're saying, was uh, Legends. Like, what else has premiered? Riverdale? Was that even in the last two years? I don't know. Yeah, I think Riverdale's only in its season two. But, yeah, I can't think of anything else that's been even... You know, really all that interesting on CW in the last two years. They've had, you know, great shows, but they've all been running for more than two years. So, so as much as it's like, it's it's great that it has good numbers, but calling it best CW premiere in two years, I don't think it's saying that much. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yay. Um, surprise. People want to see stories about other people besides white people. So, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> look at that. Um, t- stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, Black Panther already was like biggest pre-sale ever or something like that. Black Panther is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Do you know what? It's uh, <laughs> the movie looks amazing. <laughs> I think that's probably a another big part of it. You know, you've got a not just a movie that's not led by a white guy and a TV show that's not led by a white dude, and uh, they're both look to be quality products. So <laughs> there you go. Crap, look how well Luke Cage did on Netflix, you know? It's all about quality. Yeah, I think I saw somebody say somewhere along the way that this was, like, the CW version of Luke Cage, like, less swearing and, you know, not quite as much money being able to be spent on it, but it was, you know. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that it's hitting a lot of similar beats. Obviously, he's a very different kind of character. This is an older character who's retired, he's got children, and... Luke Cage is a young, single, strapping, gorgeous man. But <laughs> you got that right. That Luke Cage is easy on the eyes. I'll tell you that for free. I believe the word you're looking for is panty dropper. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got a pair of a. Uh, we got a pair of David Harbor stories here. Did I just say David Harbor? I probably did. That's okay. He'll understand. Is this his name? No, I said David, not David. Oh. Yeah. I'm hilarious. <laughs> and blew that one. Uh, Nerdist reports, David Harbour will officiate a Stranger Things fan's wedding on three conditions. Um, Karen, why don't, you, uh, why don't you delve into this one? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, following on the heels of uh, David Harbour appearing in a fan's uh, senior high school senior photo for the yearbook... Um, this girl tweeted at him that she would like him to be the efficient at her wedding, uh, which is in September, I believe. Yes. Um, and he <laughs> he started the uh, the previous goal for the high school picture, I think, was 25 or 50K. This is 125 retweets she needs to, for him to be the efficient. Uh, it has to work with his season three shooting schedule for Stranger Things. 
Uh, he gets to choose a piece of content to be in the ceremony, and he gets the first piece of cake are his conditions. <laughs> and I believe as of this recording, the girl is at 100,000 retweets. <laughs> so uh, assuming this works with his schedule, he's definitely going to be doing this. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. But it gets crazier. Uh, this is actually just straight up coming from David Harbour's Twitter account, which I assume you just follow. Uh, <laughs> David Harbour tweets internet listen i'm a giver i give and i give but i need you now but now i need you i need two hundred thousand retweets to go dance with penguins please internet please retweet this tweet please a man needs his gwins (laughs) and i don't know if it says in there where he's at but i think he got really close to this in one day (laughs) um and he uh I mean, he's he's doing this to raise awareness for Greenpeace, so that's great. Um, it's he two hundred forty three thousand retweets. Yeah, so he's already hit the two hundred k. Because the rest of this, that was his, that was the tweet that he needed to be retweeted. Mm-hmm. The conversation that led to that was he tweeted at Greenpeace that he wanted to go on an expedition to an- Antarctica and that he maybe would teach the penguins had to do the hopper dance. <laughs> um, and uh, Greenpeace wrote back and said, if you get 200,000 retweets, we'll talk to the captain of the, you know, the next expedition and see if you can go. So uh, that happened in one day, <laughs> which is not surprising. Cause I think David, Har- David Harbor has um, 700,000 fans on Twitter followers. Well, he's definitely, he's doing a really good job of uh, just being awesome. Yeah. He's, he's super good at social media. But it's nice to see him, um, you know, it's fun to see him interacting with the fans, but it's nice to see him use his, you know, as they said in Clueless, to use his popularity for a good cause, like planting trees with Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. (laughs) Well said. He got, you know. So so thank you, David Harbour, for caring about the environment, and I hope you get to go to Antarctica and do the hopper dance with penguins. Uh, But if you do, we need to see video. It's true. You can't keep that to yourself, sir. We helped you get there. <laughs> okay, next up, Slash Film is reporting that J.J. Abrams' sci-fi TV series being shopped to networks. All right. Yeah, uh, I, there's nothing I don't like about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where the, how this guy has time for shopping around a TV series when he's doing, like, Star Wars, and uh, I guess he's not doing Star Trek anymore. But, hey, whatever, man. J.J. Abrams... I've enjoyed his work, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back to television and maybe well, do something that isn't lost. Yeah, and the Slash film writer does say that, you know, J.J. Abrams, when he does a show, he tends to do the pilot and then take off. Yeah. So, you know, he's still going to be doing all the movies he's doing, but I would like to see more more on TV from this man's mind. Yeah, same here. He's 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 got a good mind for coming up with universes. Again, revolution. Damn it. Damn it. That was such a good show. We so really fun. have to talk about that on this show one day. We sure do. Well, I guess there's not really much more to say about that other than the man looks good in plaid. Uh, let's see. Next from ComingSoon.net, Heather's watched the new Red Band trailer. Uh, I didn't even know this was a thing, and I didn't get a chance to watch the trailer, so. Uh, we'll once again defer to you, Karen. You guys. I've never even seen the original Heathers, actually. Oh, you haven't? No, I have well, not seen the Well, we have to fix Heathers. that because that's 
That's too bad for you. I haven't seen that mean... Oh, I've seen some of Mean Girls, right? That was like a remake of Heather's? Not a remake. It was maybe a spiritual successor, I'd say, but not a remake. This, however, is a remake, sort of, but in TV show form instead of a movie. Um, it's for the Paramount Network, which I've never heard of. Oh, that's it's because it doesn't exist yet. Oh, it's it's okay. That's what Spike TV is becoming. Oh well, they've made their first mistake here, in my personal opinion. Because holy shit, this looks terrible. I'm so <laughs> mad about it. I don't know why it exists. The original Heather's is an amazing piece of pop culture, and it does not need to be remade. And yet, we have this piece of shit. Um, they've decided to like take the. Oh, it's God! It's premiering soon. It's beginning of March this year. Um, it's they've taken the um, the mean girl Heather's characters are now um, come from disenfranchised segments of the high school population that this world is set in. Um, so that's their twist, but it just looks bad. Um, I. I uh, I mean, go ahead and watch the trailer in this article, but just don't watch the show because, I don't know, you can make your own decision if you want to, but but there nobody needed to, like, recreate this. The original Heathers was good. It told a story. It did a good job of telling that story. There really isn't more to say. So I don't know why we're, like, retreading and rehashing this. And everything about it looks awful and I'm mad. All right, now I'm glad I didn't watch it. Ringing endorsement, I know. Well, that's the thing. Since you haven't seen the original watching this trailer, you might think, "Oh, this looks like a, you know, this looks like a crappy show." But if you had seen the original, <laughs> you would be insulted like I am. <laughs> oh boy, that's fun. Okay, uh this one I'm just going to mention just cuz it's here and uh it's fun. But uh, the Hollywood Reporter is again. Uh, Dawson's Creek turns twenty. Kevin Williamson reveals the teen drama's deepest secrets. And then there's this adorable picture of like super young Vanderbeek and Katie Holmes and that girl that wins Oscars and some other doofus. I've never oh. seen Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I'm out of my depth here. Yeah, get out of my house. Um, <laughs> in case you weren't feeling old, Dawson's Creek will be twenty this year. Um, and this is an interview with the creator of the show. Uh, it was, it was a fun little deep dive. If you were a fan of the show when it was on, you will enjoy reading this. Uh, there's lots of little things, little bits of trivia and stuff, things that he enjoyed doing and would do differently or not differently. What uh, would you say its deepest secret was? Uh, <laughs> its deepest secret, I guess, is that... Uh, there was, you know, the central love triangle on the show was Joey, Dawson, and Pacey, and uh, Joey ended up with Pacey, but this guy who created the show, if he had, you know, gotten to do what he wanted to do, he would have, he was Team Dawson. Wow. Yeah. So, check that out. Also, the big secret about the show, James Vanderbeek, actually a washing machine. There's also a fun bit of trivia I learned that the reason that he named Joey Potter, the the, the name that he uh, gave her, was because he, he was gay, he was not out, and he wanted to give the female character in the show a male masculine name so that when he wrote scenes, you know, 
dating or relationship scenes between Joey and a guy, it would be two male names and it was just his sort of little internal way of getting to, you know, getting to write a, a scene between two guys like that. Just, you know, a little, a little self-satisfaction. Oh, that was cute. Cause you know, it was a different time back then and you, there were not nearly as many gay stories on TV. That is true. It's Although kinda... there was eventually a gay story on Dawson's Creek. Hmm. Was I think the first on-screen gay kiss between two guys, but I don't don't quote me on that. But there you go. It's a fun it's a fun article if you have some time and you like Dawson's Creek. All right, this next one is uh, near and dear to my heart, and uh, it, but it's not as bad as it initially sounds. Uh, dr- the Dragon Ball Super TV anime is ending this March. Uh, all right, so so there was a lot of kind of mistranslation floating around here. Uh, that there, a lot of things were left up, very as questions by rabid fans who read headlines and then went and posted stories without reading anything more into it. So, the series is not canceled; it's coming to an end. Like the story's over, kind of a thing. Uh, the creators of the uh, there's a movie coming out. Um, that all the they probably just need their animators working on this movie. It's coming out, I think, at the end of the year, and uh, and then after that, there will probably be more Dragon Ball. It just won't be Dragon Ball Super, because uh, there's been several series of Dragon Ball. Uh, there was the original Dragon Ball, then there was Dragon Ball Z, and then there was Dragon Ball GT, which Super eventually, I guess, more or less erased because it was awful, and. Um, now, Dragon Ball Super is the the current iteration, and Dragon Ball Super, I, I assume, is named after the uh, Super Dragon Balls, which, after this tournament is over, aren't really going to be in play anymore. So, it only makes sense for them to go a different direction with the show, with a a whole new continuity, and just tell start telling new stories again, which I'm fine with because that's the thing. Like the ratings have taken a slight dip in Japan lately, but uh, not much. And the ratings have been huge in America. It's been simulcasting in Japanese in America as well. Uh, Crunchyroll gets the episodes pretty much, you know, right when they're up with the uh, subtitles on them. There's a new Dragon Ball uh, video game coming out that is already seeing just insane numbers as far as like pre-orders and stuff are concerned. So, one of the uh, creator, one of the, the executives or whatever, I don't remember who it was. They they kind of reassured fans by saying like, it's not like the franchise is dead. It's not like we're done with Dragon Ball. It's a freaking cash cow. So they would be crazy to to make it go away. And it's uh, funny to me that you say that it's not dead because when I saw this headline first, I was first I saw you put it in the feed and I went, oh Christ, what the hell? But then I saw what the, what the story was and I actually was a little bit sad for you. Because I know how much you love it. But then I was thinking, this tournament seems like it's gone on about 500 years. And I wonder <laughs> if they were just, like, treading water and they finally got killed. You know, the show finally got killed. But now that you say that, you know, oh, there's no, this, this movie <laughs> and such, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> this <laughs> tournament taking this long is par for the course for Dragon Ball storytelling. <laughs> Time is very strange in Dragon Ball. But see, like that's the thing. The reason Dragon Ball Super was so, at the very least, so important to me is that uh, there was a very long period of time where there was no new Dragon Ball. Like, Dragon Ball uh, you know, premiered in the, the in the 80s, and then uh, Dragon Ball C was in the 90s, and then uh, I think GT was mid-90s, I think, was uh, around when that was. I should really be l- looking all this up. But uh, 
It's um ball. The 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 series has been it, it was on hiatus for a very very long time. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Dragon Ball went from eighty six to eighty nine. Dragon Ball Z was eighty nine to ninety six. GT was ninety six to ninety seven. And Dragon Ball Super premiered in two thousand fifteen. So that whole chunk of time there was no Dragon Ball, and Dragon Ball GT wasn't really. The original creator of Dragon Ball, Kira Toriyama, wasn't really involved in it. So even in that 96, 97, you know, Kira Toriyama ended Dragon Ball Z. And then the networks were basically, this is at least the story that I know. The networks were like, well, it's a cash cow. We want to make more of it. So they did a, a season or two seasons of Dragon Ball GT. Nobody liked it. And that, I believe, actually got canceled. And then when they came back with Dragon Ball Super, it's just been huge ever since. And... um so I'm I'm glad they're taking a break because it's been running from 2015 to now. It's ending in March, and there have been like maybe a grand total of like six weeks that they've taken off total. <laughs> like they have been pumping out new episodes on a weekly basis for a couple of years now. So I think uh, it, it is a very impressive run. I think the show has been an absolute blast to watch. I can't wait to see how it ends. And now that I know that it's ending after this, the tournament, because I've often wondered, where do they go from here? But, you know, I wondered where they go from the end of Dragon Ball Z. So uh, uh, as, as long as Toriyama's involved, I'm, I'm a happy guy. So uh, I wonder what that long hiatus is like, asked the classic Uvian. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who was off for... 89 to 2005, I believe. Wow, yeah, that's pretty darn long. <laughs> so I feel you, bro. Yeah, you know what it, you you know what it's like. Good times. Only <laughs> when when Classic Who ended, there really was no promise of, you know, when it, when it came back was a surprise to everybody. Yeah, and it was like it was kind of loosely tied into the. Like, I remember when you first started watching it, or like when you were showing it to me, you were like, yeah, it, it seems to be kind of tied into the original series, but they weren't super overt about it yeah. until like a, a couple of seasons in. And I'm glad they embraced the original uh, the original mythology. And that's another thing I like so much about Dragon Ball Super is that it, it embraces a lot of it embraces a lot of what made Dragon Ball a good, not just Dragon Ball Z. And there's a large contingent of the fandom that hates this show because of that, because Dragon Ball was first and foremost a comedy show with a, it was an action comedy. And then Dragon Ball Z still had some of that comedy in there, but it was also very action focused. And that Dragon Ball Super isn't pure action focused and is occasionally childish and riddled with plot holes and super funny from time to time. People hated that stuff. And it's one of the things that I find most endearing about it. So yay, Dragon Ball. Yay, Kira Toriyama. Now make a new Chrono Trigger game. Next, from Variety, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost talk stolen picture and their first series, Truth Seekers. Um, yeah, I didn't read a lot into this. Just you know, I, this is one of those things that I saw the headline. And I was just like, sold. I don't need to know anymore. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, they're making a uh, comedy version of the X Files. Awesome. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, it uh, has the potential to be what Fox's Ghosted is trying to be and probably failing. I haven't watched that show, but can't imagine it's any good. Um, uh, yeah, it sadly doesn't look good. Yeah, it's a shame because it's a waste of uh, a lot of good talent there. But this does not have to be or appear that it will be um, a waste. 
super happy to see Nick Frost and Simon Pegg together again. That combo never misses, in my opinion. Yeah, even when like, even when I think they miss, when I go back and rewatch, it's always like, wait a minute. No, I was wrong. This is this is brilliant. You know, like like I remember Shaun of the Dead was on the surface outstandingly awesome from the get go, and then I remember watching Hot Fuzz and being vaguely impressed by it, but like I felt kind of let down because it's like ah man, Shaun of the Dead was so good, and this one's just just kind of good. And no, I was wrong. Hot Fuzz is fan freaking tastic. I just needed to watch it a few more times. And this is going back to I think BBC Four, where or it's it's going back to where Channel Four, yeah, the same place where they started out with Space, their first project <laughs> together. So it's a nice little homecoming for them. Well, that's fantastic. Good for them. All right, let's see here. Oh, this is this is sad. Uh, from the New York Times is reporting that John Coleman, co-founder of the Weather Channel, dies at eighty-three. I did not realize the Weather Channel started in 1981, which is super cool because that's the year I was born. But, man, I used to love watching the Weather Channel. <laughs> it was one of those cool things to just have on in the morning before school. It was like watching the cool computer maps or whatever and listen to that music that was playing. And Weather Channel was awesome. Is it even still a channel now? I know there's the app, but... Well, yeah, it is a channel, but it's like a big, like... It focuses a lot on sensationalism. Mm. They do a lot of like you know weather-related documentaries and uh, I don't know just crazy stuff. They obviously still do the weather reporting. Otherwise, what would be the point? What would be the point? They um, should do like a just a series, like a, a kind of like around Christmas when they do with the Christmas story. They should just play twenty-four hours of Twister. Be awesome. Oh boy, <laughs> that would make me happy. Uh, God, I love that movie. Um, but yeah. Uh, this guy did start a, a thing that is still around today. Something that you would have think would have thought would have like outlived its usefulness in this technological age, but somehow the uh, Weather Channel is still around in all its various formats. So, uh, as Evan would say, a big bucket of win. Big bucket of win indeed. All right, this one. <laughs> okay, this is this is this is delightful. Comicbookmovie.com reports Inhumans. It appears as though ABC has quietly canceled the poorly received Marvel series. Wow, <laughs> I'm shocked. So uh, basically, if I remember reading, the, it's it's been a heck of a day. I read this one this morning. If I remember correctly, it was like um, it's their press site uh, just no longer has this listed as a thing. And that basically means that they're that sh that should indicate that uh, ABC is essentially done with it, and which uh, by all accounts they should be. Uh, I don't know of anybody who genuinely liked this show. It looked awful. It sounded awful. I'm sure it tastes awful as well. Um, you could basically replace Black Bolt with a washing machine, and actually I would watch that show because Black Bolt as a washing machine would be rad. I don't know why I'm obsessed with washing machines tonight. Anyway, um. Yeah, it just looks awful, and everyone hated it, and I apparently like we're going to hear around... May. Like, yeah, around May, they'll probably make an official announcement. It's like, yeah, that ain't coming back. I feel like ABC is just adamant against announcing cancellation as much as possible because like, they don't want to admit they were wrong. <laughs> yeah, and they were wrong on this one. <laughs> It's like you go with what the biggest insult about this show is is that like they they cobbled this 
just disaster together and Agent Carter is canceled. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, I'm so sad. You just keep stabbing that knife into my heart, bringing that up over and over again. I'm sorry. It's, it know. hurts me every day, every day too. But, you know, here's the thing. This is just another one of those, um, I think uh, uh, Jordan over on Nonstop Comic Shop did a whole episode about this where um, Mar- we, we talked about this too a, a couple of times. Marvel really wanted to shove the Inhumans down our throats because Marvel didn't have the X-Men. And the Inhumans are essentially similar type of thing to mutants. And so they're like, well, we don't have the X-Men, so we're going to make the Inhumans the new, the next mutants. And like... It, it's not only that, you know, outsider mentality, it's the characters of Wolverine, and Cyclops, and Jean Grey, and the Black Bolt and Medusa, there's, and Karnak, there's, there's good stories to be told with these characters, but they don't have the same appeal as the X-Men. This was ill-conceived to begin with. The fact that they tried to turn this into a TV series instead of a big-budget movie, where... I think if you're going to tell the Inhumans story like this, like of the royal family Inhumans, not what they've done with them on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's it's got to be a movie, and it's got to be big budget, because these are difficult characters to translate to live action, because they're freaking weird. Like, they're just really strange characters. Medusa with her, with her hair that flippity-flops all over the place. There's a giant bulldog with a tuning fork on his head. Black Bolt doesn't talk. This is just weird stuff, and... um I feel like a movie setting for something this fantastic with a, and I mean, you know, fantastic, not like it's a super awesome, fantastic, like fantasy, like it is fantastic stuff. Uh, Doing something like that in live action on a TV show budget. That's not HBO. Like this was, this was a bad idea. It was sort of doomed from the beginning. It really was. At least in this format. And I'm not sad to see it go. Speaking of things I'm not sad to see go. <laughs> uh oh boy, I should really find uh I should really find the post that I got this from. Uh So I I'm I'm part of a Facebook group called Comic Book Fans United and uh somebody posted this that I just read the his his response to it cracked me up cuz it's pretty much spot on. Yeah. Uh, one of the actually a writer for our website posted the the news story. Kid Flash joins DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and Alex Azar, writer for this uh, for the site, who you may know as Doctor Azar, rising from uh, rising from the crypt and um, macabre movie mausoleum. Hero guess this confirms Legends is the Arrowverse's dumping ground. <laughs> Probably the worst part of Flash gone, so I'm okay with this. I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, Alex. Iris is the worst part of Flash. Yeah, but, you're wrong about that one, sir. Yeah, but at the bottom there uh ishmael he wrote thank god and good riddance which sums up pretty much my feelings uh yeah didn't on crisis a crisis on earth x they they split up the uh former firestorm pair yeah and killed off killed off half of it killed off the good actor and yeah man that kid He's probably good at something, but this is not it. Yeah, but this is not it. But Wally is not inherently a bad actor. He's just one of those ex- excess baggage characters that has no place on the show. Right. My point is not necessarily they're replacing bad actor with, you know, other bad actor. More that they're replacing one black guy with the other guy, black guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Although, I don't know, is that first half of 
Firestorm is still staying on Legends? Who knows? Who I cares? Know. I don't watch that show. But um, that's the thing. You know, you had... You've got these half-interesting characters. And yeah, you you had uh, Brandon Routh as uh, Ray Palmer. You had uh, uh, What's-Her-Face as uh, White Canary. And now you've got Kid Flash. And these are all half-interesting characters. Like, you want to like them because they're not extraordinarily poorly put together. Like... Yeah, they're pretty poorly put together, but they have potential. If this was an if this was Justice League instead of Legends of Tomorrow, they would be like a fe- they would have a featured story on in one episode, but they wouldn't exactly. be on all the time. Yes, they're not main characters for a good reason. And you know, th- this version, this iteration of Wally is uh, a relatively controversial character because the original Wally West in the comics is just a compl- a really beloved character. Like a huge fan base for uh, the original Wally West, and then when they did the New Fifty Two relaunch, and they turned him into this, uh, this the essentially the version of Wally that's on the Flash now, it was like, okay, he's not a bad character, but he's not Wally. He's not, he's not Wally West. Like in 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 no shape or form, just in name only, and it's kind of ridiculous. I never bought why this character would call himself Kid Flash because him and Barry appear to be about the same age. Uh, right. <laughs> this just never fit, and I'm I'm glad he's gone from the Flash, and I'm I'm glad he still gets work. You know, I liked his new hair. I'm sad that he doesn't seem to be sporting that cool new haircut that he was rocking in the last episodes he was in. But whatever. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. See you later. Okay. So long. This was a cool little thing. Uh, this isn't so much a... I guess it's kind of a story. This was an editorial from Rotten Tomatoes uh, who pointed out that Marvel TV by... Toma- that the tomato meter, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. overtakes Luke Cage as top series. Thing number one, I didn't realize Luke Cage was the top series. That's kind of cool. That was the top rated series. And now Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, which is awesome. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is rated 95% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And the rest of this list is pretty darn interesting uh, because all shows except for two are certified fresh. <laughs> and uh, I'll give you a guess of which two shows they are. Uh, so the list goes, uh, number one, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's fantastic news because the show's awesome. Then Luke Cage, uh, which kind of surprised me. I liked Luke Cage, but not more than number three, Jessica Jones. Now, granted... Uh, Luke Cage is ninety three percent. Jessica Jones is ninety two percent. Six. That, that, yeah, that's pretty close. You're going by degrees there. Yeah, uh, I just thought Jessica Jones was far more interesting. You know, Luke Cage had a a, a lull point in the series in the season that I was like, yeah, all right, let's let's get back to business here. And a couple of crappy villain stuff, uh, but Jessica Jones was had fantastic villain stuff. So yay. Uh, then uh, Legion. Which, you know, the episode we talked about on this show was was pretty darn cool. I'm glad a lot of people like that. Number five, Agent Carter. There you go. Your your fifth highest rated Marvel <sighs> show is canceled. God damn it. People suck. Uh, Marvel's Daredevil is uh, at number six. The Runaways is at number seven, which is cool because I don't think it's aired yet. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Runaways, good stuff. So I've heard Defenders is number eight. Gifted is number nine. Uh, I, I did not expect Gifted to be uh, only at 70%, but that's still a pretty respectable score. The Punisher is only certified at 62%. Uh, we still haven't watched Punisher. and we have not. 
I'm surprised that it got rated that low because I I heard a lot of really good things from the people that I'm friends with. So I don't know. Clearly, <laughs> the people you're friends with have no taste. But then we have just this humongous dip. So we go from 62% number 10, then down to 11, 19% Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think that's as low as it gets, down it's just chilling, circling down at the bottom of the toilet bowl at 10% rotten uh, Marvels and Humans. Whew. Good job. <laughs> What a pile of garbage. God, people really hate that show. They really do. Like, people hate it on Iron Fist, I think, because, well, I mean, it was not great to begin with. I enjoyed it. I was entertained by it. I thought it had a lot of interesting interesting things. It's just, really, the main character is not all that good, which sucks because Iron Fist's a cool-ass character. And humans just had everything wrong with it from the get-go. So, Whatever. Anyway, back to business here. Let's see. Oh, another good news. Castlevania Season 2 on Netflix will be double the length of Season 1. Still not the length of a regular season of TV shows, but that's fine. We're going from four episodes to eight. I'm excited. I loved the first season of this. You know, all four episodes of it. I, I was <laughs> I was thrilled with it, and it just it stopped at just the worst... Oh, it was just getting so good, and then it stops. Like, ah, damn. So the season two of this is going to be a real proving ground because um, they were just getting things together to go and to delve into the super cool action and where things could potentially really come together and be amazing. So, well, we'll find, I guess we'll find out if it was a flash in the pan or if this is just, it is as good as I hope that it is, and it's just going to be awesome. So I got my fingers crossed that it's going to be as fun to watch as the first season was, because it's nice to have a really cool video game anime that's so true to its source material and just really fun. It's good times. I'm happy. I hope they introduce Grant the Nasty, because there's a pirate named Grant the Nasty in the world of Castlevania, and he can climb on walls and throw knives everywhere. Mm, Grant the Nasty. Anyway, <laughs> I have, <sighs> sorry, I have zero to contribute about Castlevania. That's okay. In the <laughs> words of Mike Sheridan, Castlevania. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got two left here. Um, thing one from BuzzFeed. Tracy Ellis Ross has shot down rumors she made threats during her blackish salary negotiations. Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> um, so you might possibly have heard about the whole thing with uh, Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg during the reshoots for that movie that they made, uh, All the Money in the World, I think. Um, they had to do reshoots on this movie to replace Kevin Spacey's. They recast him with Christopher Plummer, and so they had to reshoot all of his parts. Um uh, Michelle Williams and some other people in the movie basically offered to not take any money to do these reshoots in order to allow for this to be, uh, you know, for this reshoot to happen. Mark Wahlberg's agents renegotiated his deal and got him a million and a half to do the reshoots. Uh, and this bit of information was revealed through a meeting of these this Time's Up campaign that's been going on in Hollywood. Another piece of information which kind of got overlooked at first that also came out of the same meeting was that Tracy Ellis Ross, who is the female lead for Blackish, is paid significantly less than Anthony Anderson. 
um, which is not okay. Uh, not that, I mean, the uh, reporting that I've seen about this did point out that uh, Anderson is an executive producer, whereas she is not. However, she is an award winner, whereas Anthony Anderson is not. So there's different, you know, value judgments to be made on their contributions to the show. But the bottom line is guy makes more than a woman and that's not cool. However, this is one of these play, one of these uh, things that points out where we try to be really careful about what we say about these things and where we get our news from. Um, when this was initially reported um, by whoever it was, I think maybe Variety, um, they said that she threatened to leave the show if she didn't get equal compensation. That is not true. <laughs> she never said that. And so that's what, uh, oh, it was Hollywood Reporter, excuse me. I didn't mean to malign Variety un unfairly. Uh, so she said on Twitter that she was, you know, happy about all the support she's getting from her fans about, you know, her salary negotiation. She kind of wished it wasn't quite as public as it's become, but she wanted to make it clear that she never threatened to leave the show. And, you know, things are not as dramatic as the, the some of the reporting has uh, made it seem. So... Hopefully she gets her fair share uh, from her contract renegotiations. But also, when you see something on the internet, please vet your sources. Truth. <laughs> Likewise, take most of what we say with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. We're, sometimes we're just full of shit. It's true. I frequently am. All right. Our last story comes from TVLine.com. And this makes me happy. Timeless season two set for March start. Yay, timeless. Yeah, I think it was just last week you were wondering whether the show was coming back or what the hell ever happened to it. So when <laughs> yeah. I saw this on Twitter, I was like, oh, hey, it's that show. I should tell Chris. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Makes me happy. Yeah, oh, did never, never really quite made time in our lives to uh, watch this and get caught up on it. But... Um, I know that it was, at the time, kind of a, a dicey prospect of whether or not it was going to get renewed. So it has been renewed, and now it's coming back fairly soon, in March? Yeah, it seems to have uh, found a uh, found, found its fan base. Um, I don't think it's quite the hit that Blindspot is, or you know, the hit that NBC was hoping for. But uh, and it certainly at least doesn't seem to fill the shoes of Revolution. But at the same nothing time, can. yeah, nothing can. It is scratching a similar itch in just being an absolutely ridiculous science fiction NBC show. So it doesn't have a what was the what was that guy's name? Miles with a sword. Oh, yeah, I don't know what you, what his name is, but I know what you mean. Yeah, that guy was awesome. My, Miles, not Monroe. Monroe was my, Monroe was the cape. Man, we gotta watch Revolution soon. Anyway, uh, so that's just that's just genuinely good news. Hooray for this show being on TV. I wouldn't mind trying to catch up with it sometime. You know, and all that. And all and that, all free that time copious free have. time we have. Yeah. But uh, that said, yay, good news, good news all around. I'm I'm sorry that we had so much bad news last week, and that that was that was what Ferg had to sit through. But uh, I'm I'm glad we had some some fun, happy news stories for this week. And speaking of this week, that's the end of this episode. <laughs> that is going to be our show. Uh, join us next week when Evan will be back. Assuming the dragon has not actually gotten the better of him. 
It's true. I have all the faith in the world of him. He's seen Dragonheart like 15 times. He knows how to fight dragons. That's really all you need to train to fight dragons is watching Dragonheart. Especially if they sound like Sean Connery. But, uh, okay, so yeah, we're going to have Evan back. So you won't have to listen to me try to host this show anymore. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so it's, it's, it's my turn to pick. Uh, why don't I do that? Why don't I do the spiel first? Um, so, so as always, you can get in touch with us at as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook with both the Geekade page and the This Week's Episode page. Find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade or follow this show specifically at Twepcast. You can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Karen is at Shoot underscore the underscore moon. And Evan is at Geekade underscore Evan. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed here tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on Geekade.com where we post something new every single day. Back to me. Uh, All right. So it's my turn to pick. And I'm going to go ahead and pick something completely ridiculous because I think it'll make Evan very happy to come back to Clerks the Animated Series. Season 1, Episode 1, Leonardo, Leonardo Returns, and Dante has an important decision to make. I love this show, and it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to talk about because it's going to make us all laugh. And I like to laugh. So that's it. Uh, Any final thoughts, Karen? Uh, Evan, we miss you and we can't wait to have you back. And I know you miss us and you miss the show and our fans miss you too. So we'll be happy to have you back next week. Yeah. I'm also curious if you've listened to any of the episodes since you've been gone. <laughs> but I hear, I hear tell he's having fun out in, uh, in, in doing the thing that he's actually doing. Cause I don't think he's really slaying dragons, but we'll keep that between us. Uh, so while we eagerly anticipate Evan's glorious return, to hosting duties on this show, I will say good night on behalf of Karen and myself. Thank you for listening. And this concludes our broadcast day.